Well, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you're listening. Welcome back to the Level Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Seegers. Um, we're glad to be back with you today as we build on to the thought or maybe uh, work towards the thought of what our God-given purpose is. What is really our purpose in life? And we're really excited about it, honestly, because so many of us from time to time have, have asked ourselves these questions over and over again. What is our purpose? What is our purpose? What is the purpose for our life? And, you know, and, and so as we move toward this, I want us to just realize there are a few things that that we've got to do to set the stage and to really um, get to the point where where we understand where we're at and what we're doing and what we're going through and, and everything and whatnot. And I had to get me a sip of water. I'm sorry. Um, but really all of the things that that we have talked about for the last few weeks. So we looked at reconciliation and we looked at justification. Then we looked at grace. And now we're going to look at a, a completely different topic today. And we've got one more topic that we're going to cover after this before we get into to what the real purpose is. But as, as we've been doing, let's go ahead and do some of the housekeeping, some of the uh, announcements, whatever you want to call it, and go ahead and kind of get that out of the way. Um, so as of right now, uh, we want you to be prepared. So we've got this episode, then two more after this, and then we're going to have two very special episodes. And those episodes are going to be on anxiety, depression, and doubt. And so if you or you know, if you have struggled with it, if you know anybody that struggled with it, we want you to let them know. Go ahead and be telling folks. Go ahead and be getting the word out, spreading the word, because we want as many people as can and that as will and that want to to be able to listen and, and just kind of join in with us. And we've got something very special uh, kind of worked in the mix and and kind of, kind of going for that and something that maybe will help each one of us and each one of you, whoever you may be. Um, but... Also with that, don't forget to go find us on Facebook at the Level Ground Podcast. I know some of you are listening that do not like the Facebook page. Go to the Facebook. If you have Facebook, go to Facebook, search the Level Ground Podcast. There's going to be a button that says like. You like the page there. Not a post, but the actual page. And you like the page there. And that way you'll get notifications. You'll keep up with us every time we post and all of these things. You'll get the links as soon as they're uploaded that way. Also, we're on Instagram, levelground.22. And you can find us there. We're going to start posting a little bit more on both of them. So follow us there. Um, and remember, if we get 500 followers, we're going to do a top five Q&A. You get to pick the questions. And we're going to answer them, and we're going to have a special guest come on for that. Um, also, if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us at levelgroundpodpod22 at gmail.com. Uh, send us an email. Reach out to us. Let us know if you like the podcast. If you have any questions, it, this, is, this is another thing. If any of you that are listening have any questions about anything, if you want to ask me, if you want us to do an episode on something, if you want us to... Uh, to mention something in a podcast or, or in an episode, reach out to us. Let us know. We'd love to uh, to kind of get you guys included. And we want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to hear, what you want us to talk about, and we kind of want to uh, to build from that and have a relationship with each other. 
Also, if you or anybody you know needs a Bible, reach out to us. We want to get you a copy of the Word of God. Um, so far, we've not had anybody ask for a Bible. And, and honestly, I'm kind of shocked. But remember, the offer is there. If you need a copy of the Word of God, we want to get you a copy of the Word of God. And I think that's it. I think that's all that I have been saying. And if I haven't and you've listened to other episodes, ooh, ooh, I remember one. Do not forget, wherever you listen to the podcast, follow the page, like the page, leave it a rating, subscribe to it, leave it a review, mention us in it, give us a five-star review, whatever. That helps the algorithm. That boosts it. That spreads it. Anyways, enough of that. Um, I got a little sidetracked for a second. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I'm really excited about this. Um, and about these things that we're going to talk about. And today we're going to talk about the next step in building toward our purpose. And so we can help, and it'll help us realize the weight of what Jesus Christ done for us and what God done for us through His Son. And and I want to read you something. Uh, just read you a little story real quick. And and I want us to just keep this in the back of the mind, uh, in the back of our minds, as we talk about this subject today. And the story goes like this. Once upon a time in a kingdom far, far away, there lived a great king. He was simultaneously the most powerful man in the kingdom, as well as the kindest and gentlest man in the whole realm. The kingdom was known for its peace, harmony, and goodwill. Neighbors cherished one another, and years would pass without a single crime being committed. One day, however, the chief servant of the merciful king came into the throne room with ill tidings. There is a thief in the realm of your kingdom, sire, said the servant. The king was astonished. Find that thief, and when you do, bring him to me. He will be punished with ten lashes. Those in the room were astonished as well. It had been so long since a crime had been committed, they could hardly imagine who would have done such a thing. A week went by, and the servant again made his way into the throne room. I have bad news for you, sire, quietly reported the servant. The thief has not been found, and he continues to rob from your people. In anger, the king raised his voice and said, Find the thief, and when you do, he will receive twenty-five lashes. The people began to murmur among themselves. Who could withstand such a punishment? Who could possibly be committing such a crime? As time went on, the servant once again came back into the throne room with yet another bad report. Your majesty, the thief has not been found. We have, been we have searched in vain for him. Your people are still being robbed. The king was enraged. Find that wretched thief, and when you do, his punishment will be 50 lashes. Now the people were filled with dread. They were not even sure the king himself could withstand such a punishment. And if he could not, then certainly no one else could. Who could be doing such a thing? Soon afterward, the servant again approached the king in his throne room. His face was pale and his voice timid and hollow. Your Highness, spoke the servant, the thief has been found. The king says, bring him to me this instant. The crowd that had poured into the throne room slowly parted, revealing the thief who now stood trembling in the middle of the room. To the utter shock and dismay of it all, it was the king's aged mother, aged mother, there she stood trembling and crying. Her small and frail body was shaking with fear and shame. She was perhaps the very last soul that anyone would have suspected of such a crime. And there stood the king in shock, 
deeply wounded. The crowd began to wonder and murmur among themselves, What will the merciful king do? Will he set aside the law and display his love and mercy by forgiving his mother for her crimes? Or will he display his sovereignty and justice by giving her exactly what she deserved? Will he choose mercy or will he choose justice? The king raised his hand to quiet the crowd. Bring the whipping post, he said. The crowd was dumbfounded. Would the king truly have his mother receive such a punishment? Even the king could scarcely survive such a flogging. This frail woman would not even last a few strokes. The old woman was tied to the post. Her garment was rent, exposing her back to the whipmaster. Her ribs could be counted for her frailty. Administer the lashes, said the king, and not a sound could be heard as the whip was raised. But just as the whipmaster was about to unleash his first stroke, the king cried, Halt! The crowd sighed in utter, utter belief, but the king did not last for long. But the feeling did not last for long. The king stood from his throne. He slowly removed the crown from his head, laying it upon the regal seat. As he began to walk down the stairs towards his mother, he laid aside his royal, t uh, royal robe and finely woven tunic. Coming to his mother, he wrapped his enormous body around her, completely enveloping her under his frame. The king spoke, now administer the lashes. Thus in one act did the king display pure mercy and perfect justice. And this is from uh, ForTheChurch.com. Uh, and, and if you want to read that for yourself, that's where you'll find it. Today we're going to be talking about a subject that goes along with what we've already talked about and hand in hand really with what we've talked about last week. And this may not be a very long episode, but this week we're going to talk about mercy and the mercy of God. Now the def definition of mercy is that benevolence, mildness or tenderness of heart which disposes a pers person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. The disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or to inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy. That which comes nearest to it is grace. It implies benevolent, benevolence, tenderness, mild, mildness, pity, or compassion, and clemency, but exercised only toward offenders. Mercy is a distinguishing attribute, attribute, of the supreme being. And let's think about this that we read to you. Just for a second. And we want to kind of tie this in. And we'll go ahead and get into the meat with this. The king was there. And, and he ruled in this great kingdom. This kingdom was perfect. And was everything that, was, that he had built in this place was perfect. Everyone loved each other. Nothing was wrong, and then all of a sudden crime entered in. Something bad happened, and someone began to rob from his people. And the more that they would do it, the more he become or became outraged and became enraged within himself and began to grow annoyed, if you'd have it that way, only to find out that the one that had committed the crime was someone he loved dearly. 
And then as he sat there, he knew that he had to be just with what he'd done. And in order to be a just king, you have to remain just the entire time. But also he was known as being merciful. And so if he's going to be just and merciful, he had to find a solution. So the king took off his crown and his royal tunic. What set him aside, so to speak, what made him stand out different from everybody else and took on the same form as everybody else in that room. And he himself went from the appearance of being a king to the appearance of just a subject of the kingdom. And what he done was he took and he laid himself over his mother that he loved and took the punishment for her. And that way and in that, and just like we read to you in this little story, he enacted justice and mercy all at one time. He showed mercy to his mother and mercy to a subject of the kingdom by covering himself and taking the beating. But justice was shown because he received that beating. And the same thing, and this exact same thing, is what God done for us. Now we understand and we know that there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The Holy Trinity. And we understand that even though they're three different personages, if that's the right way to explain it. They're they're separate. They're three individual people or individual things or however you want to look. I'll say people. Individual people, they are still one. They are joined as one. And don't, don't sit here and try to ask me, well, how can they be three separate things but all be three of the same things? Because I'll just be honest with you. God is God. God can do whatever he wants to do but I believe it. And and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I want us to think about this. God's seen that the thought on man's mind was only evil continually, just like he said, or just like the Bible says in the book of Genesis. And he's seen that time and time again, he offered us different ways, just like in the Garden of Eden, you look and he offered, it was in a perfect state, in a perfect way, and give them one rule to follow, Adam and Eve. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What do they do? They ate of the tree. Then you look at the time around Noah, and you look there. They began to be evil people. And so the Lord destroyed the earth with a flood. God destroyed the earth with a flood. Then you look on, you go down through time, and you find God's chosen people, Israel. They are now under the law. And we talked about covenants that God made with his people and how that he told them if you would abide in the law, there would be blessings. But if you went against the law, there would be cursings. And they would constantly go against the law. They themselves couldn't keep the law. And time and time again, this happened. And, in, and God being just, he would enact punishment. 
But also God being merciful, he would have to find a way that that punishment wasn't enacted on his people. On the people who he loved dearly, on the people who he cherished, on the whole world, on his creation, he wanted to offer them a way of escape. So what he done was he sent his son, who is 100% God and 100% man, to take off his crown, if you'd have it, to take off his robe, if you'd have it, and to take on the form of us as a human being and came and was the supreme sacrifice for our sin. And what he done was he took what should have been ours. He took and bore the punishment of sin for us. And in one swift motion, God himself became just and done the just thing. And there was punishment for sin that took place but was also merciful to everybody else and merciful to the ones that he loved. And I believe that truly not only defines who God is, but it defines mercy and it talks to us and lets us know about mercy. Mercy is just is being willing to give someone found guilty to give them less than what they deserve. I didn't deserve, and I don't deserve the mercy of God that has been bestowed upon me because of the sin that's in my life. And it's God's mercy that has let me know that. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are ye saved? God shows both mercy and grace, but they're not the same. Mercy withholds a punishment we deserve, and grace gives a blessing we don't deserve. In mercy, God chose to cancel our sin debt by sacrificing His perfect Son in our place. And by His grace, we were given the opportunity to be born again regenerated and made alive in the Spirit again by accepting His Son. And you might be saying, well, how do we know we were, we were made alive, we were regenerated, we were born again? You look in this, in this Scripture, right here where it says, "Hath quickened us together. You find the context. What, what does the context talk about? It's talking about being dead in sin. And what he done was he took and he quickened us and he made us alive. And when you get put into Jesus Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ, and because of God's mercy and because of God's grace and it being extended unto you, then are you made alive. And I'll say it like this. Had it never been for mercy, I would have never found grace. And had I never found mercy and grace, then I would have never been alive. I would never have life and have it more abundantly, as the Bible says. And let's go ahead and look at this next piece of Scripture. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, 
disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now, what does that say about about us? What does that say, or or what does that tell us? What do we see? Do we see any similarities? I see myself right here in this scripture. I myself have been foolish. I have been disobedient. I have been deceived. I have served divers of my lusts and pleasures of the flesh. I've lived in malice. I've lived in envy. I've been hateful, and I've hated people before. And this was the place that I was in. And you might be saying, well, Grayson, that's just not very Christian-like of you. Well, before Jesus Christ ever entered into my heart, I couldn't be a Christian. It was impossible for me to be a Christian without Jesus Christ. And I could try my best, but I still would be that way. And even still to this day, I don't care who you are and, and which one of us it is, but we will all struggle with these things at some point in time. You can't tell me you don't ever look at somebody who's got the nice new car, who's got the nice house, who, who's got all of this money in the world, and you, you can't tell me that you don't ever look at them and think, man, I wish I had what they have. Man, I wish I could buy that new vehicle. Man, I wish I had a new nice house like that. Man, I wish I I had something that they've got. Every one of us will find ourselves in there at some point. But then the Bible goes on to say, But after that, the kindness and love of God, God our Savior toward man appeared. So after we were in this shape, God seen it and showed kindness and love to us, and it appeared unto us. Not by works of righteousness, righteousness, which we have done, because the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. The Bible also says that we're we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing we've done good. We can try to live a most righteous life and the the most righteous life that we could ever live. But if we do not live in the right way, if we do not accept Jesus Christ, it's all for naught. There's no works that will ever get us into heaven. I heard it said like this. There was a fellow one time had gotten saved and he had convinced himself, and he said this, he said the devil had convinced him that he was a good boy. He had done right. He had he had done maybe what his mom and daddy told him to do. He had lived right. He didn't get into trouble. But just because he was a good boy didn't mean that he was saved. Being a good boy will send you straight to hell. The only way that you can escape that awful place is Jesus Christ and through his mercy. I hope you understand and you see why We're trying to drill this point home, and we keep talking about you've got to have Jesus. You've got to have Jesus. Because if we did not have Jesus, if we did not have his mercy, if we did not have his grace, if we we were not reconciled back to God, if we were not justified and granted a full pardon, hell would be our home. And I I promise you that I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but I really want us to see these few attributes And they are all one and the same. 
But I want us to look at this. And then it goes on and it says, it wasn't by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. According to God's mercy, he saved us by grace through our faith in him. By the washing of regeneration. So here the Bible tells us he washed us white as snow and regenerated us. He made us alive where we were dead in trespasses and sin and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We were washed and regenerated and renewed by the Holy Ghost, which he shed abundantly, shed on us abundantly. Here's the same saying we've been saying over and over again, through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Again, I say, had it not been for God's mercy, God's grace, and our faith in Jesus Christ, we would be lost with no hope in the world. But if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, and He is your strong tower, if He is your Savior, if you truly have a personal relationship with this man, if you are born again, regenerated, made alive, made anew, you have a hope, a hope of eternal life. How we talked about, back before we talked about heaven, and how great heaven was. We have heaven. We have the hope of that place. We have the hope of we're never going to die. The old song says, I'll never die, just be promoted. Praise God, I have a hope that even though this flesh will give out, this flesh will wear down, this flesh will die, there's something alive on the inside of me that will live forever. Why? Because Jesus Christ, or because God himself said it would. And I hope that excites you because it excites me. Even now, I'm just being honest, I, I've heard preachers say many times, they get talking about something like this, and they say, well, I could preach right now. I'm being honest with you. I could preach right now. I could cut loose about the mercy of God showed to us, and because of his mercy and his grace through faith in, his, in God's Son, we now have hope. The Bible said in one place, if we have hope in this life only, we're of all men most miserable. Now we're building to what is our purpose for life. If you take an atheist viewpoint, if you don't believe in God and you stand back, what would be the point in life? What would be the point in living and if you're justified, don't believe in God as an atheist, and you're justified in what you believe and say you want you do some humanitarian work, whatever that may be, and you do that thing, you're justified in that, but there being no higher power, there being no set rule, there being nothing that we can live by, we can abide by, then whoever does the opposite of you, if you were to, to feed the hungry, and you take on the role and the the assumption and the the and you identify yourself as an atheist 
and you feed the hungry, and that's your good humanitarian work, and you feel justified in that. If there is no God, then somebody can come, and there is no standard, and there is no rule for how we live and what we need to do with life and and how we need to be in life, then somebody could take, and they could take food away from the hungry, and they would be just as much justified in that as you are in your good work. But because because we have God, because God is real, He has set a standard and He's made a standard, and that standard to live by is sin, And we find that we're all guilty of that. And he offered us a way of escape through his mercy, which gives us a hope that we're not going to get what we deserve. And as much good works as we can do, and the Bible does say we will be judged according to the deeds done in our body, whether they be good or whether they be bad. Ultimately, at the end, it doesn't matter if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but you will be judged according to what you do, and that's not what saved you. We've already talked about that. But all of these good works that you do, all of these good works that you have done, all of these things that you've done, if you're in Jesus Christ, they have meaning. You can use those humanitarian acts to spread the gospel, to tell him, to tell that that individual that you're you're with, hey, there is hope for you. And we're kind of jumping ahead, but we're gonna we're gonna go ahead before we get too excited. And we're gonna we're gonna really try to try not to go too very long with this episode today. Let's look real quick at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So let's stop right there. In these last two verses, and we may just read them again here in a second just so you can see. But in this last verse right here where we read to you in 1 Peter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, whose mercy? God's mercy, hath begotten us again. What does that mean? He hath reconciled us back to Him unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Without Jesus Christ, we have no hope. And what God done was He allowed us to have the opportunity and to have the chance to obtain a hope, to have hope in this life. To an inheritance incorruptible. We mentioned it earlier. What is that hope? What is that inheritance incorruptible? And undefiled that fade, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We have an inheritance. It is not it is not corruptible, it cannot be defiled, and it will never go away. And who are kept by the power of God, this is who's going to get it. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. There's coming a day that God is going to return and is going to get, bring His children home. Whether, And one of these days, He's going to return in the clouds and come and claim His children. 
And the Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. God, The Lord Jesus Christ is going to return one day and get his bride. We are the bride of Christ. And that's a hope that we have is we don't have to be here forever. And there's something more after this life. And I want us, I mean, I, re, I really want us to look at this and, and really want to try to drive this home. And, and you've probably noticed in the last few weeks, we've tried to drill these few things kind of in our heads, my head included. And I hope that now you can see the puzzle pieces coming together and, and really see how God laid this thing out. And even in the last few episodes, we've talked about it. Maybe I hope that God is taking and is putting the pieces together for you right now so that you can see exactly what he done for you. And I want us to, to read these scriptures again, just to familiarize ourselves with them. There's nothing wrong in reading the Bible. Let's look back in Titus chapter 3. For we ourselves... Also, and, and when we do this, now before we get into it, before we do this, think about what we've talked about the last few weeks. It says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Then again in 1 Peter chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And here is where the puzzle pieces come together. God's mercy and grace comes. God's mercy is extended to us, all mankind regardless of where you're at. And His grace comes after we put our faith in Him. And that grants us a full pardon. And that full pardon, in turn, brings us back to the Father. And why does He do this? All because He loves us. There are no stipulations on the mercy of God, save one. And that's that you believe on Jesus Christ. I don't know who you are today and, and who might be listening to this podcast. But I want to assure you of something. There's only one stipulation to obtaining the mercy of God. And that's just believing on Jesus Christ. And if you need to talk to somebody and you want to talk to somebody, I will be more than happy to, to talk to you and to help you in any way that I can with this. Because I want you to have what I've got, what God gave to me. The, the, the hope that I've got that is offered to all, I want you to have that same hope. 
And I don't care where you are, where you're from, who you are. You've not been too bad. You've not done too much wrong. And quite frankly, that's the whole point of God's mercy. That's the whole point of the plan of salvation. Is that no matter how rotten to the core each one of us are. Or or become. I, I don't care what you've done in the past. You could do all kind and you could have done all kind of heinous things, heinous crimes. God's seen that and has offered you mercy and has offered you grace and has offered you a way out. And that's the whole point of Him doing that. You may be the most rotten person that there's ever been. You may be one of the best people that there's ever been. But that mercy is offered to us not because of anything good we've done, but because God knew we weren't good enough. We would never be good enough. God knew that we'd never be able to make it alone and extended unto us His mercy. You'll never be good enough to be saved. Let me say that again. You'll never be good enough to be saved. There's nothing good that you can ever do, no works that you will ever do, that will make you good enough to be saved. And on the flip side of that coin, you cannot be too bad to be saved. That's why the Bible says that God give His Son so that whosoever will, so that anybody that put their faith in His Son, He would extend unto them His mercy and His grace and save them from that sin-sick condition. Pull them out of that sin-sick condition and set you to the side. And then, then you become, as we talked before, a member of, of the church, a member of the body of Christ, and your life is then given purpose. Where you went from a place where you no more had, or you had no hope, you had no purpose in life, you were guilty of whatever it may be, God took all of that away, all of that guiltiness, all of that shame, all of that rottenness, took it away and replaced it with hope, replaced it with blessings, replaced it with the Holy Ghost of God in indwelling and living inside of you, and replaced all that purposelessness with purpose. All that wasted space, I'll just be honest, if... And we'll go back to the atheist thing just for a second. And, and I, I really, really hope that, that you understand where I'm coming from with this. If you don't believe that there's a God, then what's to say that the person who lives a terrible life, who is a, a very bad criminal, or the person who is just a very bad person, just in general, 
who's to say that they're not wasted space? If there is no God, why why are they even here? Why are they not just wasted space? Why don't we just we just put them somewhere on some island somewhere and get them out of our way? There's no purpose for them. There's no use for them if there is no God. And the same thing for someone who might be introverted and might not go out and do things to to help other people, might not uh, contribute anything to society, may not... They may be the person that sits at home all the time and, and would rather be alone by themselves in their room. If there is no God and God is not real, then what purpose do they have in society? But what God done was he seen us and how guilty we were in our sin and his mercy took that away from us. He took the punishment we deserve, just like the king did for his mother, and took that punishment away that we deserved, and he turned around after he took that punishment from us. And this blows my mind. I don't understand why God would love me so much to do this. He turned around after he took that punishment, number one, which I don't understand why he would have. But then he offered unto us a hope and a purpose I tell you this, there is a God, He is real. And no matter who you are, if you don't know Him right now, you feel like your life has no purpose. You feel like God hasn't given you that purpose. And we'll find out in a couple weeks what that purpose is. But you feel like your life has no purpose. You feel like you've done nothing good for the Lord. You feel like, or or nothing good in life. You feel like that you may be introverted and you may not contribute anything to society. You may be that just terrible person. And you feel like, oh, and I don't contribute into anything to society. I tell you this, God is real. God is extending unto you his mercy. God wants to, and Jesus Christ wants to have a personal relationship with you and bring you unto him and have a personal relationship and be not only a spiritual figure, but be your friend. And then he wants to bring you back to the father and say and say look daddy this is another one that strayed away from you this is another one you made but they're mine now we have a relationship with each other and i'm bringing them back to you And God looks, and because Jesus brought you back to him, he gives you a purpose and gives you a hope for your life. I assure you, I assure you, I assure you, I assure you, there is a hope for you, there is a purpose for you, and no matter who you are, where you're from, where you're listening to this right now, God will save you. And we could go on and on all day and all night about these things. And and we're getting to the point where they're all really starting to mesh together. And they're starting to get to where we can't talk about one without talking about the other. And that's a good thing. And I hope we realize the depth of this today. And we're going to go ahead and start landing the plane here. And I hope we really realize the depth of what we've already talked about. His mercy and His grace and what He extended unto us even though we didn't deserve it. And and I really hope that it's been a help to you. And like I said, tune in here in a couple weeks. We'll get into what your true purpose is, what everybody's purpose is. 
But until next time, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, shoot us an email, reach out to us. If you need a Bible, we'll send you a Bible. We hope you enjoyed today. Until next time, stay grounded, my friends.